Welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Leah Heigl and I am here with my co-host Aidan Muir. And today we are going to go over what you should be looking for in a pre-workout and whether they are actually worth the money. So we're going to keep this one hopefully pretty short and sweet. We'll see how we go. Um, let's start with what what benefits are we actually looking for when we're reaching for a pre-workout? So usually what people are expecting to get out of it is that you'll feel more like hyped and motivated to train. You'll have more energy in your training session. Hopefully it'll improve performance to a certain extent. That's always beneficial. Um, And potentially just improved outcomes in regards to training adaptations. So potentially like muscle and strength gains Um, and maybe even fat loss for some ingredients. Who knows? Um, The upside of pre-workout is you get a whole bunch of things all in the one powder, kind of like a multivitamin, but for sports supplements is how I like to think about it. Uh, But I know there's a lot of debate, particularly amongst kind of fitness professionals and dietitians about whether or not these pre-workouts are worth it, whether the ingredients they're kind of putting in are worth taking. Um, And something that comes up a lot is, are there, is there enough active ingredients in these single scoop pre-workouts to uh, make a difference? So we're going to break it down one by one. Yeah, I think you covered a lot right at the end. And like, I want to touch on all of those <laughs> points. But like, what we'll actually do is we're gonna we're gonna go through um, each ingredient individually, and we're just gonna cover as much as we can in the time we have available. So I'm gonna go from try to be most relevant to least relevant, but also just because an ingredient is going to be mentioned here does not mean I'm like this should be in a pre workout. There's just being like, there's so many ingredients that could potentially be in a pre workout. Let's just talk about them from that perspective. Then we'll sum up at the end for what to look for. Um, and yeah, we're just going to go back and forth on each ingredient. So the first one we're going to go on is caffeine. So that's that's the main thing in most pre-workouts. Um, it's probably the most effective or one of the most effective in pre-workouts as well for a lot of reasons. Like obviously, hypes you up, can make you motivated to train and give you more mental focus. And at higher dosages, it can even improve strength. And even at slightly lower dosages, it can improve endurance and it reduces rate of perceived effort as well as how it's termed in the literature. Like it basically means like you could do the same reps and sets and whatever and it feels easier. (laughs) Yeah, I love caffeine. I think that's definitely what I'm looking for in a pre-workout, but we'll kind of talk about this later, but there are non-stim pre-workouts. So there are definitely ones that are on the market that don't contain caffeine, but usually I'd say most people are wanting that caffeine hit with a pre-workout. And that's another thing that I was going to say is relevant as well. Is like, I see a lot of people who are in the anti-pre-workout world who will be like, coffee is the only pre-workout I need. And one advantage of pre-workout is you know how much caffeine you're getting. And oftentimes, it's a high amount. (laughs) Usually higher than coffee. Usually a lot higher than coffee, exactly. And the dosages often used in pre-workout, not always, but often they're the clinically relevant dosage for strength, depending on your size, obviously. And like what I'm talking about there is often they're anywhere between 150 and 300, most commonly 300 milligrams of caffeine. And we know for strength, three to six milligrams per kilo of body weight seems to be roughly the optimal amount. Sometimes even on the higher end of that makes sense. Whereas if you have a coffee, the average is probably around 80 to 100 milligrams. Somewhere along those lines, it's more complex than that, but I'm going to just use that number. So it's kind of like, that's probably not going to cut it. Like if somebody's 80 kilos and have one coffee, it might give the motivation and everything like that. It might reduce the perceived effort and everything like that, but it might not give the performance benefit to the same level. 
So creatine is another thing that's in a lot of pre-workout. So we know <laughs> creatine, once again, um, assists with efficient energy production in the muscle. Um, and it has been linked to greater outcomes in, in strength and lean mass gains. We're huge fans of creatine. The only issue with having it in your pre-workout is that you are highly unlikely to take pre-workout seven days a week. Ideally, when you're taking creatine, it's not the acute effect you're after. It's the chronic buildup over time. So you want to reach creatine muscle saturation. Um, so to keep that saturation, you need to have kind of three to five grams every single day. Um, so if you're not taking creatine outside of the times you're not taking pre-workout, then you're probably not going to be getting the benefit from having it in your pre-workout. Yeah, like I wouldn't say it's a bad ingredient to have in your pre-workout, but it's also like if you want to optimize creatine, you probably should be taking it separately, um, which actually is similar to the next one I want to talk about, beta-alanine. Same kind of concept. Beta-alanine is something that in a way it builds up in your body. It's not the beta-alanine we're trying to increase in your body. It's carnosine that we're trying to increase in the body. And you want to be taking it daily, sometimes multiple times per day because the side effect of beta-alanine is paresthesia, this like tingling, itchy kind of feeling. And having high doses of beta-alanine for a lot of people or high enough, like the clinically relevant kind of dosage of um, 4 to 6.4 is most common, um, often will cause an uncomfortable feeling for a lot of people. So sometimes I'll split it up. So just having in the pre-workout, often, firstly, it's going to be too low most times. Often it's like 2 grams is what is most common in pre-workouts. But what's also interesting is it's, it's in there for a bit of placebo. Yeah. <laughs> like if you get this tingling feeling, you're like, this free work has really it's working. working. I remember back in the day with like, is it Jack three yeah. Jack three D or something like that? And all like the pre workouts, it was a bit of like a contest to who could get as much of that feeling, yeah, in like their, their consumers as possible, and that was like deemed the best pre workout. When in reality, it's just a side effect. It's not giving you a performance benefit unless it is like that placebo thing and just like hypes you up for your session. Yeah, exactly. And like beta alanine, just like creatine, it does work. Like it does help improve performance. For things, 60 to 240 seconds most commonly is what it's improving it for, but it can also improve it for anywhere from a minute to 10 minutes. So like beta alanine is good. It's just like it, it doesn't matter in a pre-workout beyond what we just kind of talked about. Um Probably, like, you probably want to be having it separately if you want to be optimizing it. Another thing that is usually in pre-workouts or is to a to a large extent is citrulline or citrulline malate. Um, so this one actually might be relatively beneficial because you do get that acute effect from it, so it doesn't need to build up in the system. Um, but basically, L-citrulline raises blood arginine levels uh, more effectively than arginine does itself. Um, and this converts into nitric oxide and leads to uh, vasodilation. So just like better blood, blood flow. Um, and I find that people put these in pre-workouts and then put the claim of getting a better pump. Yeah. So that's what most people are kind of after. It's, I don't know if that actually results in more muscle gain um, from from actually having it, but it definitely gives you a better pump yeah. there's enough it in there. It feels better. It feels yeah. better. Yeah, and it can improve performance. It hasn't been super, super clear cut, but it does seem like it adds a few reps here and there. So if you're looking at it specifically to improve performance, then it can also help with that. But like that's on the higher rep sets, like anything where you, any exercise that you're actually going to get a pump on, <laughs> is going to be relevant for it. Like if you're doing sets of five, you're probably not getting a sick pump. So you're probably not going to benefit from it. Anything where like you're getting that pump, 
that's where this extra blood flow actually seems to help. Like I, that's not very scientific of me. Like technically it's like there's certain times and stuff like that, but the kind of exercises where you, you do feel that that's where it is helping. And as a side note, it also seems to help reduce delayed onset muscle soreness too. So it's like, it's another just added benefit. And like, there's a lot of mechanisms from that, like partly the blood flow, partly the clearance of ammonia and stuff like that. But it's like another, another benefit of having it pre-workout because you kind of need to have it pre-workout because it has this acute benefit. So that's something to think about as well. And so ashwagandha is another one that's kind of recently been popping up in pre-workouts. And we talked a little bit about this this morning off air, um, but you were saying that like it was more to like zen you out, reduce stress as a kind of the reasoning behind putting ashwagandha in things. Um, and I think like that could probably be somewhat beneficial, particularly if you have a bit of like gym anxiety or you're like a more of a stressed out person having something like ashwagandha in your pre-workout potentially a good thing i I view it more as like offsetting the caffeine offsetting the caffeine yeah as in if you're if your heart rate's elevated because of the caffeine if you're like a little bit more anxious if you're a little bit more jittery ashwagandha seems to offset that like it's a de-stressor basically so you get the pros of the caffeine and it's offsetting like those negative side effects to a certain extent yeah and like also jumping on the next one we'll talk about before we come back to ashwagandha, which is a bigger topic, um, L-theanine is sometimes included in pre-workouts and that's exactly what L-theanine does. It just offsets the negatives of caffeine outside of like nutrient absorption, like iron, disruption in sleep. One other one that's coming to mind? Can't think of it. Like it, it does offset that jittery. It slows the heart rate down and like it allows you to reap the benefits of caffeine, the focus, the hype, the, um, the actual improved performance without their anxiety and jitters that come alongside it. Looking a little deeper into ashwagandha, I actually come across some things that I I guess I didn't quite expect because I'm like, well, why are these supplement companies, like outside of like being a bit more zen and controlling stress, like why are these companies putting this product into their pre-workout supplements? Um, And to be honest, in terms of performance, ashwagandha in the research is actually looking kind of positive. I was a bit surprised. So the research would suggest that ashwagandha in the range of kind of 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams per day maybe does have a beneficial effect from both a cardiorespiratory, like endurance perspective, as well as potentially a strength and gains and lean mass perspective. So I really wasn't expecting to find those results in the research, um, but I actually didn't come across many studies that had a nil effect with ashwagandha. Uh, So... It's a bit of an interesting one. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. I find the same. And like, I actually, I'm going to do an entire blog post on this at some stage in the next 12 months. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. when. Like, it's got <laughs> a lot on my plate. <laughs> but I, I do actually want to do a proper blog post on this because like, I, can't, I think we can't do it justice in here. Like, it's kind of like, there's not a lot of research. If Yeah, the, there's not a lot of research, but all of the research that's been done has been pretty overwhelmingly positive. So it's just an interesting space, but like, I don't think we've got the time to do a nuanced deep dive on it right now, but it's an interesting ingredient to include in pre-workout that could potentially have quite a bit of benefit. So the next thing we're going to talk about is stim versus non-stim pre-workouts. And I kind of touched on it, but like one of the big advantages of pre-workouts is caffeine, Mm. (laughs) like the stimulant side of it. Um, But what if you don't want to use a stim pre-workout? Like what, one obvious reason is like, what if you train late in the day and you don't want to have heaps of caffeine or something like that? There's heaps of other reasons why people wouldn't want caffeine. But like, 
what if you're in that position but you still want a pre-workout to provide the other benefits um that's where it's just like the other benefits are typically going to be those performance enhancing benefits and they're also going to be like those pump kind of like citrulline malate aakg and like those kind of ingredients improving that maybe a bit more endurance and then they'll be including stuff like creatine and beta and those kind of things too um would you ever recommend a non-stim pre-workout I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend one, but if someone's like, I want to use it, sure, go for it. Um, As long as they kind of say, yes, I will take my creatine outside of when I take this free workout. Um, That's usually the only like caveat I give my clients. Yeah. So like, I'm not opposed to non-stim pre-workouts. It's like more of a, like, I just would, I'm the same. I wouldn't go out of my way to have it. And I I heard Jono say this, Jono Steedman. So I heard him say something like, citrulline malate he views it as a hobby supplement for him like he takes it i think but like it's just like i don't know it might help a little bit because sick pump like it's kind of a like like me personally i'd rather take my creatine and beta alanine like as clinically dose like the ideal amount and if i want something to help with a pump i'd have it as a bit of a hobby supplement on top and just like yeah. just supplement that thing itself yeah it's almost just like a bit of fun more than it is like a serious performance supplement. yeah yeah exactly um, so I suppose we should just summarize really what, what to look for in a pre-workout or well, firstly, do you recommend pre-workouts ever? And if you were, what would you be looking for? At the end of the day, when it comes to what I recommend, I don't go, I don't recommend any specific pre-workouts to my clients. If I want to use caffeine, I'll use caffeine. If I want to yeah. use creatine, I'll use creatine. The only time my clients will use pre-workout is if they already have something that they like and yeah. want to continue using. Yeah, that's pretty much how I look at it as well. I, I do the same. The advantage of it you touched on right at the start of this is it's kind of like it has multiple ingredients all at once. Like what happens if you actually wanted all of these individual ingredients? Um, it's just packaged in one thing that ideally tastes nice. Um, but the downside of it is like you also touched on as well, where it's like you don't get the dosages that you want. What if like the dosage of citrulline malate is six to eight grams? That's the ideal amount. But the pre-workout only has four grams, for example. It's not the ideal dosage. What if it has two and a half grams of beta alanine, but you're trying to get four to six per day? Um, those kind of things, like you don't get to control the dosage and stuff like that. But if you wanted like a nice coverall and you happen to like having pre-workout, it fits the bill pretty well. Yeah, it can be a good option. This has been episode 42 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could leave a rating or a view if you have the means to do so. Uh, But otherwise, thanks for tuning in.